0: You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. One, if you go back and look there, our task is to reproduce offspring that bear God's image. And because that's our task, we should lean. Most heavily then on God's instruction to raise them. If you're wondering how to raise your children in this culture, in this day and age, you start with God's word because God gives children to parents and we are to raise children that bear God's image. We don't represent ourselves in parenting. We represent God. We are ambassadors simply fulfilling God's desire in raising children. And an ambassador does not call the shots. An ambassador simply represents somebody else in the job that he's doing. He, and so to help maybe then raise our children in, in any other way, if we were to try to raise them in any other way, it would be to step away from our ambassadorship and step into the realm of ownership. And yet we are not owners. We are ambassadors. And another word that some might use would be we are stewards of the gift Of children, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit as well. I'm gonna revisit another version of that principle tonight. The second principle that we talked about is we are authorities, not agents of change. And by that I mean parenting is a balance between our rules and God's ability to transform a heart. So we give them rules, we give them guidelines, we give them instructions, but we depend on God to change their hearts. Uh, even my children, I look at my children down here on the front row, and as much influence as I have on my children, I don't have access to their hearts. Even as a dad, I cannot kind of peel away the layers and do heart surgery and, and fix some things up on the inside. I have to depend on God to change my children's hearts. I give them boundaries, I give them rules, I give them law, if you want to call it that. But I don't depend on the law to change them. I depend on God's grace to change them. I would much rather have God deal with their hearts and have them transformed with God's help than me thinking that I have the pressure of doing that for them when I don't even have that kind of power. So it's kind of like some parenting sometimes can be like an apple tree. And here's the illustration that I used is that if there's an apple tree in your front yard and it's not bearing fruit, you could go down to high V and you could buy a bag of apples and then you could go out to the tree with zip ties and you could zip tie apples to that tree so that it looks like it's bearing fruit. I mean, some people may resort to that. I've got some neighbors who are, I think, are that obsessed with their yards, okay? I was saying, very obsessed with the way their yards look. And maybe you're like that too. I am becoming more and more like that. But honestly, I, I it'd be silly. on an apple tree to hang apples just to make it look like it's bearing fruit. And yet sometimes in in parenting, that's our temptation. We can ask them to conform on the outside and to change or modify their behavior, but completely bypass the heart. And we want to cultivate them in such a way that they bear fruit naturally, that it's real. Both of those principles fit under the category in many ways of what I'll be presenting tonight, because parenting really comes down to having something that you want in your mind and operating based on that. Parenting, and I'll say that again, parenting very often or most often comes down to what you want your children to be, what you want them to become. That's the thought I want to capture tonight, and that is we, it's, the phrase I'm using is begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. Years ago, Stephen Covey wrote a book called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And if you haven't read it, I highly recommend reading that book. It's an excellent book. It's it's a a book about biblical principles in many ways, but it's not a Christian book per se. Uh, It remains one of the top bestsellers after over 30 years. And one of the seven principles that Stephen Covey talked about... Uh, ...that he focused on was begin with the end in mind. The summary of that is this. Envision what you want in the future and let that impact your decisions today. All things are created twice, Stephen Covey writes. Before we act, we should act in our minds first. Don't just act, think first. Begin with the end in mind. You should start with an end product. Now, I mean, if you've ever painted a painting um, or you've ever written a story, in your mind you start with what you want it to look like at the very end, and that helps steer you toward it. I mean, sometimes, yeah, you just work and you start working and you figure out, figure it all out as you go. That's okay. That works for certain projects, and, and it might work in certain areas. It can be fun. I think about even like on a trip, if you've ever, maybe you've done this before where you just get in the car and you don't know where you're going, but you just start to drive. Anybody ever ever gone, done like that? Okay, we have a few that are okay with that. Um, I was talking to somebody this week, and they said that as a family, uh, when when they when she was younger, she said as a family there were times where they were they had a vacation scheduled, but they didn't know where they would go. They were going, and their dad would get in the vehicle, and they would all get in the vehicle, and their dad would drive to an intersection and he would say right or left. And then they would turn right or left, whichever the consensus was, and that determined where they headed. Wow. For some of you, that would be the most anxiety-inducing trip of your life. I mean, you could end up, up at Palisades State Park. You're just driving through a cornfield, and suddenly there's a canyon. I mean, you don't know what's around the corners. For some of you, that, that would be very... Nerve-wracking, because if you go on a trip, you've got every turn, every stop, every meal, every gas station figured out before you go, when to change lanes and when not to. Some of you are that planned, I'm pretty sure. For others, it sounds like a great vacation to just get in the car and drive. Uh, Maybe just to go where the wind takes you. And if you live a structured or a scheduled life with high demands, doing something that off the cuff may sound pretty appealing to you. Honestly, I'm thinking right now, that sounds not too bad to just get in the car and drive and see where we end up. And you know, that does, that could work on a trip. It could work on an afternoon drive. It could work on some project that you're doing at home. But listen, when we're dealing with young image bearers, human lives that will either end up pleasing God or displeasing God, if we don't begin with the end in mind, we will likely find ourselves living according to the default. And I don't know if you know this or not, but the human default does not accidentally just find its way into God's image. It doesn't. We can't just start and go wherever we want and whatever decision feels good in the moment and and everything will work out and these young children that we're raising will just end up being like God. No, we have to begin with an end in mind, which is why I believe that it's, it's absolutely important that every parent that's raising children uh, be knowledgeable of God's word. I mean, you can't. You, if you don't know God's word, and you don't know where you, you want to take your children, then you are living by default. We say, how do I do this? Well, start like this. Fast forward to the day that you've got a child graduating high school. Fast forward, and some of you, you say, well, I've already done this. My children are all raised, and they're out of the house, and I've walked through this before and and maybe this doesn't apply directly to you but how many of you have that have raised children right now you're you're thinking there are things i wish i could go back and change in the way that i raised my children raise your hand if that's true for you i think every parent in this room would raise their hands so fast forward then you say how do i begin with the end in mind fast forward to the day you've got a child graduating high school imagine the day Imagine what they're wearing. Imagine their attitude. Imagine the look on their face. Imagine the kind of spirit they have in that moment. Imagine them standing on your front porch and they're 18 years old and they're about to take their next step into adulthood. Just imagine it. Imagine how close they are to the Lord or how close you want them to be to the Lord. Imagine what they want to do with their life Imagine who their friends are. Do you have something in mind? Are you imagining for your child, you, are you imagining what they look like and who they are and, and how close they are to the Lord and what they, who their friends are? Do you have it? That's the end that you begin with. Imagine the kind of adult they will be when you let go of their hand and you give them to God. Now, I'm not saying that in that moment you no longer have any any more influence I'm not saying that at all I'm just saying that in the moment that they become an adult and you're releasing them to start making their own choices and making their own decisions what is it that you have in mind and it's a good process a good exercise for us to walk through and try to envision what we want them to be in that moment and I'm going to use my son just because he looks tired come here Jace So, I mean, I'm just imagining my son. Come on up here. Are you awake? I don't want you to fall asleep standing here. So, I mean, just imagine if this is your child. Now, just envision with me, imagine with me, if if this is your child and they're 18 years old, in my mind, here's the kind of thing I'm thinking. As an 18-year-old young man, I want him to love God. I want him to put God first in his life. I want him, as he's on my front porch and I'm about to release him into the world, I want to, him to tell me, Dad, I just finished my reading through my Bible again. I want him to, in his heart, I want him to want to please God first and foremost. I want him to be faithful to church. I want him to, no matter what, he's there every time. I want him, as a high school kid, to have served faithfully in some ministry and proven that a, even a high school young person... Can please God in the way they serve God. I want him. I want to envision him in my mind. I'm thinking. I want. I'm imagining him going off to Bible College, and I know that's not God's will for everybody's life. But in my mind, I would want for him to have witnessed in his parents people who are in the full time ministry and loved it enough and were real enough about it that he says, "I I would want to do that because my dad is my dad does it," and actually, right now, Jace. Um, what is it that you tell people you want to be? What is it when you grow up? Tell me. What? Okay, well, besides that, remember the preach? Say the on. Go. Okay, he said he wants to be a preach officer, okay? We're combining the two. He thinks I could be a preacher, but I could be a police officer at the same time. I, I would, that wouldn't be bad for, in my mind, okay? A preach officer. He made it up. So any royalties come straight to our address, okay? So, that's who I'm envisioning. I'm envisioning a young man who wants to serve God. And whether or not it's a police officer or if it's as a preacher, it doesn't really matter to me. I just want him to put God first in his life. That's what I'm envisioning. You know what I don't envision? I don't envision his picture being the one they post on the news after he got involved in the riots and went and burned down a building down by the Empire Mall. And right now, there's some 18 or 19-year-old kids... And that's the picture. Their picture is on the news. You know what? As a dad, that's the last thing I'm envisioning. I, I, don't, I don't start there at all. I have this vision in my mind that I want him to be, and I don't envision a mugshot. I envision a young man who wants to serve God with his life. And I imagine a young man who, no matter what he's doing, going into the military, going to, to be a police officer, going to be a preacher, uh, going, to work, going to college somewhere just to get a job. I mean... Whatever it is, I envision somebody who puts God first. I don't envision somebody on the 10 o'clock news who just got arrested. And you know, here's the thing. Whatever I envision, that will determine how I parent him. If I envision him as a young man who puts God first in his life, that'll change the way that I deal with him tomorrow morning. But if I'm going to raise him to be in prison... That will affect how I deal with him tomorrow morning as well. And you see, thanks, Jason. You have to begin with the end in mind. And I know when he's 18, he's not the finished product. He's far from the finished product. I know he won't be completely matured as I release him into whatever his next step is. I know he's going to have to sell plenty, of, plenty of lessons to learn But at that point, he'll be in the position to start making his own choices. And if I will use that as my template, if I will use that as the end in mind, it will affect the way that I parent him tomorrow. And I think about Psalm 127. uh, Except the Lord, let's read it. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. And here's the verse, lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. In that verse, lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, it, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Heritage means possession. It means property. It means an inheritance. Here's the thing. Children, they are gods, but they are a gift from God for us to raise. They belong to God, but he gives them to us as a direct result of his blessing us. We wouldn't have children without God's blessing. And listen, if He blessed us, if it's a gift from Him, if He blessed us with children, then we are stewards of our children on His behalf. Therefore, we should strive to raise them for God His way. And here's where it gets a little different. We all want good kids, I think we do. I want good kids. We like the idea of our children excelling in things like academics. I mean, I want my kids to get good grades. I'm not happy with them if they get a C in song leading or if they get a C in it, no, sorry, Jacob, I had to throw that in there. I'm not happy with them if they get a bad grade in their their classes. That doesn't make me happy, I'll push them to get better. If they're gonna play sports, uh, I would love uh, for them, if they're gonna do it, do it well be the best they can be. I want them to learn lessons in sports. And I want children that obey. I want children that work hard. I want children that are respectful and and honest. I want good kids. Those are all good traits. But is raising good kids really my ultimate goal as a dad? Think about it. See, you don't need necessarily, you don't need God's help and you don't need to be a child of God to be good at school. You, you can be good at sports without being a Christian. I mean, it, look at pro sports, and there's a lot of improving that. You can be obedient as a child and, and hardworking as a child, and you can be respectful, and you can even be an honest child and not rely or depend on God's help for any of those things. Plenty of good kids are all of those things, and they don't know Christ. And here's the disconnect. A lot of Christian parents have the end goal of raising children who have the right priorities, Christian-type priorities. They go to church and their behavior is respectful, respectable and they have good morals and good standards. But sometimes we're raising children like the apple tree illustration and that if you hang fruit on the tree, and it's, it's, then it's not truly producing. It's window dressing. And we have to be careful as Christian parents not to be content with saved kids that are simply good citizens. We can accomplish that by raising them pretty much like the lost world, but maybe sprinkling in a few add-ons that color it Christian. I hope you're seeing the difference here tonight. I'm, I'm I'm not saying it's a bad thing to raise good kids. I'm just saying if you have the goal of simply raising good kids, then you are settling for something far less than what God desires Christian parents to do. Many Christian parents are okay with kids that wear a a more Christian label, but we shouldn't be content with that. We should be striving to raise disciples, children with a meaningful relationship with God who are also fully committed to God. See, the current Christian culture says, well, you know, we we believe in having a, a, a passionate, meaningful walk with God And that's what matters the most. And listen, I'm not downplaying that. I agree with it. But shouldn't that kind of a relationship show out in one's level of commitment? See, right now, I think our Christian culture is I have a passionate, meaningful relationship with God, but it doesn't necessarily change anything I do on a daily basis. And I just wonder how passionate and how meaningful could it be? I mean, if it doesn't actually affect anything that you do tomorrow, if we say we walk with God, but we're not committed disciples, how real is that? A, a true walk with God by a committed disciple means they actively serve God through their local church. I have a tough time believing that someone who has a passionate, meaningful walk with God is not involved in the institution that Jesus Christ loves so much that he gave himself for it, the local church, <laughs> I mean, I I have a tough time believing that if someone has a real committed walk with God, that they don't have high personal standards and a desire for holiness. That makes me wonder. I mean, if they don't have a concern for the souls of others, how real is it? If they're not willing to do whatever God asks of them, even if it means sacrifice, I have a tough time believing that somebody like that really has a true and passionate and meaningful walk with God. But the current Christian culture in which we live talks about this relationship with very little cost involved. But we are stewards of God's children. And it's good for parents to ask, okay, then what purpose did God give me this child for? Why am I a parent? Is it simply just to raise a good child? Is it simply just to produce somebody that contributes to society as a good citizen? Is that really the end? Am I content if my son stands down here and, and he, am I really content if he simply becomes a good citizen and never gets arrested? Is that really, I mean, I don't want him to get arrested, but is that really the highest, loftiest goal that I can have for, uh, as a steward Of a gift that God has given me. It's time for us to begin with the end in mind. And my pastor in in Oklahoma. His name's Wayne Hardy. He he speaks a lot about something. He calls the process and product. And and he said whatever the product is that you desire. You ought to adjust your process to get to that product. Let me give you an illustration. This quarantine and I talked about this at one point. um, When we were online only. But over quarantine we got ourselves a quarantine dog. That's what I'm calling it. Everybody else was out there and they were bored and trying to figure out what to do and a lot of people went and bought dogs and so did we. We bought a little rat terrier. It sounds like an ugly little dog, doesn't it? We named it Oakley. It's a little girl, Oakley. Chase and Wyatt came over one time and Chase was calling it ugly. We're offended, but we practice forgiveness at the jet house. Let's say our goal was to simply have a dog that the kids can play with. I mean, that's a good goal. Kids want to play with dogs. And if that's the product we're looking for, our process will be a certain thing. A playful puppy requires only lots of play and attention. That's a pretty loose process, isn't it? If your goal for that dog is, I want a dog that I can play with that doesn't take very much to get to. But if that, I mean, so though, if I want them to take it a step up and say that's not our only purpose for the dog, that's not, that's not the product we're looking for, we want a dog that you can play with but also obeys two commands. They obey the commands, come and stay. Now in the jet house, that would be a productive dog, okay? If that's our end product, then we will have a different process than just play with the dog and enjoy the dog there will be some time for training let's say though we don't just want a good dog we want a great dog i mean i don't know how great a dog can be if it can fit in your purse but you know let's just say that's our desire a dog that will obey our every command they'll sit they'll stay they'll come they won't jump on you. They won't run off as soon as the fence is open. They won't make messes in our living room, which I'm proud to say was Oakley's first public act as a member of the Jet family. You know, if we want that kind of product, then we better have a process different than just, let's just play with the dog and give it lots of attention. We won't be content with a dog to play with. If if our product for that dog is a good dog that obeys our every command, that means we have to spend hours in training. We'll make consequences for disobedience count. We won't make exceptions and we won't make excuses because the product in our minds is not just the average dog. We want an exceptional dog. That's the product that we have in mind. Our product determines our process. And I'm not trying to make a lot of parallels between dogs and children. I hope you'll understand tonight. But let's suppose you do want good kids. You make sure they do good in school. You you, you have a structured schedule. You don't let them just do whatever they want. You push them in sports or in music to do the best they can and to be well-rounded. And you teach them to repre- to respect their elders and You keep a close eye on their friends. And if you want good kids, that's a great process for that product, just good kids. But if you want godly kids, disciples, children that become adults who seek God's kingdom first, then your process will look a lot different than the good kid process. You'll have to buy into verses like Ephesians 6 1 that talks about, or 6 4 that talked about bringing your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You'll have to buy into to verses like Proverbs 22 6 that if we train up a child in the way he should go, when he is old, he will not depart from it. Those are the kind of things we have to buy into. We have to not just settle to say, I want good kids. No, if you want godly kids, then you have to have a different process than what most people go through with their children. That means that success in the world's eyes is less important to us. That means that we're striving for godly, not just good citizen. That means we're less interested in the outside than we are in the heart. That means that we make matters connected to the kingdom the priority for them and the priority for our family. Meaning, when it comes to church attendance, there is no question in our family. When it comes to having a weekly place of service... We're more interested in them being involved in something weekly at Eastside Baptist Church than we are making sure they're at every baseball practice every week. And yet, many Christian families, that's flipped around. We, we, we say, yet, yeah, when it comes to youth involvement with a youth group or youth activities, it's a no-brainer. If we have church stuff and we have something outside at school or sports or something else, it's always God first, every time. Those are the kinds of things and the kind of decisions we need to make if we're gonna raise godly seed instead of just good citizens. The world may think it sounds crazy, and they do. When a good, godly family is raising their kids in a way that I think pleases the Lord, the world does not understand it. They don't understand that level of commitment about parents raising, but but think about this: but parents raising good kids. They do buy into a high commitment level to get certain product up, uh, from their children all the time. They say they don't understand it. They don't understand why it would be so hard on our kids and, and why we would have such a high standard. But, but think about this. If a parent is raising a, a child uh, to get an academic scholarship, do you think at any point they've ever made it some tough, extreme decision for their child to put in the work and study and along the way? I guarantee they have. So yes, they, they may not, they may look at us and they may think, well, that's crazy, that's extreme. Um, but listen, they do understand a demanding process and they understand a demanding process is the key to desirable product. They just don't do it in the arena we're doing it in. They're doing it in things like um, academics. And you think a parent desiring to have a son get a sports scholarship will, will go to some extremes to have their son learn and train and get better? yes. It happens all the time. I've known families that have their boys and, and even girls in traveling teams. And, and they play ball all summer and sometimes all year round. And, and I mean, I've heard about even wrestling camps. And people put their kids, uh, Brother Juan was telling me about people putting their kids. And they basically get their, give their kids to this wrestling coach full time all the time. They don't even stay at home because they're committed to their child becoming the best wrestler they can be. And so when people look at us and they say, that's extreme, no, no, they, they, they understand the process. They go through the process. They don't have a problem with de- a demanding process to get to a desirable product until you start talking about discipleship. That's when they start looking at us funny. Then all you hear is, well, we don't want to force anything on our kids and they'll just resent it later listen, but that concern, that doesn't affect their sports or academic ventures with their kids. They have no problem pushing their kids in wrestling, do they? Brother Juan has seen, he's, I, I've seen some matches and gone to watch many. There's some parents very invested in their kids. They understand the process it takes. If you're going to have an excellent process, they only start getting judgy toward other parents who set high standards for the kids for God's sake. That's when they start having a problem with it. They get it if it's about wrestling, and they get it if it's about basketball, and they get it if it's about um, academics and uh, all those other things. They get it. They just don't buy into the product that we're looking for. If we're going to raise a generation of disciples, folks... Shouldn't there be some parents as committed to their children following God at a high level as there are parents who invest in private tutors and music lessons and summer traveling teams? Shouldn't there be some Christians representing God to that that level of commitment? I think there should be. Where are the Christian parents who have as lofty a goal for their kids as the dads who want their boys to get a basketball scholarship or the moms who want their daughters to go to Harvard. If you want a product that first and foremost pleases God when they become adults, choose a process that will help them get there. That means we can't feel bad if it affects the way we... And and then this starts to get meddling, but, you know, I've got daughters, so I've been through it. Listen... If this is our mindset, that means we can't feel bad if it affects the way we ask our daughters to dress. Because we have a different product in mind. It may affect how much our sons play video games as opposed to activity that will propel them toward usefulness in God's kingdom. But it's because we have a different product in mind. If it means you raise the standard in what they watch or what they listen to, the world will get judgy. But that's part of the process because we have a different product in mind. Don't feel bad about raising the expectations you have for your children because they need someone to propel them toward becoming a valuable asset in God's kingdom, just like all the other parents are pushing their kids toward GPAs and football scholarships and piano lessons and ACT scores and basketball success. And yet you don't ever hear anybody talking about uh, you know, how bad it is for parents to push their children in those areas. But, we're, but when we try to push our children and, and, and help them strive for a higher standard, when it comes to the most important thing they can do, which is following God and being a disciple, mean, suddenly, man, people are all over you. The world doesn't begrudge the process. They get it. They buy into the idea of process all the time, but they just don't buy into the product we're striving for. The difference is they're seeking a corruptible crown. But in God's kingdom we have the option of seeking an incorruptible crown. That's what I want my children to wear someday. That's the ultimate product. But it doesn't happen accidentally. It requires a different process. And you might ask, well, where do I start? I don't even know how to design it to get it there. Well, begin with the end in mind. That's where you start. And I'm not going to give you every step along the way. I don't even know if I know every step along the way. I just know the single most important factor in the decisions I've made for my children. As as much as I can say before God that this is honest. That the single biggest factor is not what are their friends doing. It's not what is the culture doing. I've tried not to let it be, well, what's most convenient? What do I prefer? What would be easiest on me in this moment as a dad? No, I have tried my very best as a dad to envision the day, the moment. They're standing on my porch saying goodbye and thinking, no, what do I want them to look like in that moment? What's the end? What's the goal? What kind of person do I want them to be? What does that product look like? I don't want them to be one of the 18-year-olds on the, on the late-night news. But, you know, you think about that. None of us would say that's what we want, but those young people are likely a product of, of, of a process in their own homes growing up. So there's no, no reason for us to wonder how they got there if we were to go back and look at the process of their raising. He probably could give us some pretty good ideas. Do you want them to grow up to be good, just good citizens who don't cause trouble, but maybe they also don't go to the same kind of church as you do someday? Or they may not be as committed to God. Listen, I don't think that's what most of us want either, but our process will determine that. If you want godly instead of good, You must design today's process to match the kind of adult you want them to be. And I'm not, again, not giving you steps. I'm giving you a mindset tonight. And if you will raise your children not based on what's most convenient or what you prefer or what the culture says or what's easiest in the moment or what all their friends' parents are doing, and instead you decide, no, I'm going to make a decision based on The kind of 18-year-old I want as they're getting in the car and they're driving off to college or driving to their first job or they're going to, to get married and they're about to start their own life, that's the end that we start with. That's the kind of person I want them to be. And if that's the kind of person I want them to be, then I have a process that will help me get them there. You'll have one process if you're just looking for good kids, but you'll have another entirely if you're looking for godly kids, which is an adult disciple who loves their God and seeks his kingdom first. And I'm looking around at the young people in this room too, because I know that it's, sometimes it's not just about the process that your parents raised you with. You have your own choices to make. And there's some teenagers and young people in this room and some young people who should be in this room who had plenty of good processes and they just decided to go their own way. Parents, let me encourage you, if that's the case, if you've experienced that every child has their own choice, every child has a free will, but we must decide to put them in the best position we can to not have to make that choice. But you young people in here, and I'm talking to you teenagers in here, you've been raised by good parents and godly parents who've done everything they can to put you in the position to make the best decisions you can for God. And for you to walk away from that would be to discount every good process that God has placed in your life, in your home. And shame on you if you make that choice when your parents did everything they could to put you in the best position to have a process that produces a good product. It's not always a parent's fault. Sometimes it's the child making the choice. But parents, I want to encourage you tonight. Listen, this is kind of a law in some ways in that whatever process you put in place, it will produce a certain product. And we just have to, by faith, realize and believe that God will bless us if we instill His processes into our homes. If we raise Him in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, if we train up our children in the way we should go, then we have the faith. That process will produce the product that God promises. And if it doesn't, I don't know what went wrong. Maybe we didn't do everything right. But, we, but the last thing we need to do is question, well, God's process doesn't work because we know it does. I'm going to encourage you parents tonight... To begin with the end in mind. Stop making decisions about parenting based on what you feel in the moment and think about when they're 18. Think about when they're 30. What kind of dad do you want your sons to be? What kind of young man, dads and moms, what kind of young man do you want your daughter to marry? Because the processes you put in place in their life will have a great bearing on the kind of person they attract someday. What kind, how do you want your children to raise their children? Think about that end. And raise your children, make the decisions according to the end in mind. Folks, I, I, in some ways you say, well, in some ways I don't know where to start. No, if, we will, if we'll choose to parent that way, I truly believe that will solve a lot of the problems. We'll come down to these crossroads as parents and you do, and I do too, and you say, like, I don't know which way to go. I don't know which way to go. We'll just stop and think, okay, what kind of adult do I want to give back to God? A lot of times it solves many of the hard questions or the questions we make more difficult for us. It just answers it. So no, if this is the kind of adult in this situation, then this is the decision I'm going to make. It takes a lot of pressure off of parents. All right, thank you for your, your attention. Let's close in a word of prayer and we're going to take a time of prayer tonight. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.